Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh, he broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering Podcast, featuring New York sports talk with a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Our second show of the week, we have been doing bi-weekly shows throughout the MLB playoffs. We spoke earlier this week with Joe Sheehan about the World Series. We are two games into that as this podcast drops today. Dodgers raising a lot of fun so far. Interesting to see how the series goes. You can go back to the podcast archives, check that one out. But today, we are going to do the rest of our week's activities. We're going to do our NFL picks for week number seven in just a minute with Kevin Walsh Jr., from Sports Grid. I had a rough week in the picks last week. I went under 500 for the first time this year. I went one and two, but going to look to bounce back here. Going to talk some Eagles with Kevin as well. We're also going to do our pop culture spot of the week. I'm going to join by our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose, at the end of the show. Talk a couple of things. Supermarket Sweep, the debut. We're going to recap that premiere, talk about what we like, what we didn't like. We'll talk about the West Wing special on HBO Max. This is a play version of one of their episodes to support the When We All Vote initiative. And it was interesting stuff. Some other things we'll talk about with Sam at the end of the show. But we'll get all started with this week's opening tip, where we're going to take a look at the Giants and what they have to look forward to going to this matchup with the Eagles tonight, right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. Here we go. All right, we are back here talking the Giants in this spot here because the Giants, short week this week, they're coming to play tonight against the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday Night Football, but they are coming off a win. Joe Judge finally on the board as an NFL head coach. He has a victory. The Giants top Washington 20-19. That outing was not stellar, to say the least. As you're a Giant fan, of course you're happy you won a game. You could be worse. You could be the Jazz who aren't, haven't won yet and are probably not going to win anytime soon, but you have to be a bit concerned about what you saw. The big thing here, Daniel Jones did not look good against a bad football team. Daniel Jones only threw 19 passes in this game. He completed 12 of them for 112 yards. He threw a touchdown for the first time since week one. Think about that for a minute. As Phil Lombardo, Giant Hand, pointed out on the podcast last week, he had gone four weeks off throwing a touchdown pass, which is almost impossible in the modern NFL. He also threw a bad pick in the red zone, cost his team some points, and those points nearly came back to bite them because Washington goes down the field at the end of the game. They score the... Potentially tying touchdown. Ron Rivera empowers his team to go for two. Riverboat Ron's gamble does not work. Giants hang on for the win. The Giants did this game a little different. They tried to rely on the running game here. Daniel Jones had some good runs, but getting 18 carries, 61 yards at Devontae Freeman doesn't exactly move a needle. It's not giving the ball to Saquon Barkley 25 times a game and saying, here, you're the most talented guy on the field. Make something happen. That's not great. The defense which had played better in recent weeks. They were shaky again, second week in a row. Let Kyle Allen throw for 280 yards, go right down the field that final minute, score that touchdown. 
the thing that's interesting here, though, the Giants, is that their division is so, so, so bad. So bad. They still have a shot at this division. If they beat the Eagles tonight, they might leave the week in first place. The Cowboys looked awful on Monday night against the against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Andy Dalton was pathetic. He threw a 4.9 yards per attempt despite throwing 54 passes. That's pathetic. Their defense is awful. They've given up the fifth most points in NFL history through a six-game stretch. That's absurd. But have you seen enough here to make you feel confident the Giants can win this division? Daniel Jones is not getting better from year one to year two. He's getting worse. He's still turning the ball over a prodigious rate. He's not producing as much. I get that losing Barkley hurts. I get that he's been without Sterling Shepard. Golden Tate is washed up. Darius Slayton's been playing hurt. Evan Ingram has not done a ton, but it makes you wonder. Do they get a new quarterback next year? The Jets are probably going to lose out and get Lawrence. The Giants probably won't get to Lawrence, but... If you're sitting there at number four, do you take Justin Fields? Do you take Trey Lance out of North Dakota State? Do you give up on Daniel Jones? I think a lot of this depends on if Dave Gellman is still here because Dave Gellman has clearly tied his ship to Daniel Jones. And Dave Gellman has not had much success here. The owner has to sit here and think now, has Dave Gellman done enough to keep this job? The answer should be no. Most recent example, because obviously he's not been great in the draft. His free agent acquisition has not worked out too well. This year, Blake Martinez and James Bradbury have been good, but everything else, not so much. The question here is, do you trust him to evaluate talent? And your question to start with Andrew Thomas, the fourth pick overall, the left tackle. He has not been good. Simply put, he struggled in his first five games. He splits time with fellow rookie Matt Pert in the second game, in the sixth game. They were playing a rotation. Joe Judge claimed that it was for a distance reason. But think about this for a second if you're a giant man. Dave Gellin was at four. He had every tackle in the draft on his board. He said, Andrew Thomas is my guy. He's the left tackle for the Giants for the next 15 years. I get they didn't want to start him there, but they had to because Nate Solder opted out. But at the same time, you look how good Mekhi Becton was playing for the Jets before he got hurt. Look what Jedrick Wills has done for the Browns and how good he's been at left tackle. Like only playing the right in college. Look how good Tristan Wirfs has been for Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. And you're sitting there with Andrew Thomas, who is struggling mightily. And I get sometimes it takes these guys time to adjust to the NFL, but Andrew Thomas is supposed to be the guy who was the most NFL ready, the most polished guy, but he looks the worst. This week is critical for the Giants because they're facing an Eagles football team that is pretty banged up. The Eagles did play well in week six. They came from behind. They nearly caught the Ravens down the stretch. Two-point conversion fails, but the Eagles lost Miles Sanders in this game. They lost Zach Ertz in this game. They have a lot of weapons hurt, but have you seen anything from the Giants that convince you they're going to win this football game? I don't think so. That's a scary proposition because this is a game the Giants should be capable of winning, but you feel like this could be an Eagles blowout, even though they're missing so many guys. Then after that, Tampa Bay comes here on Monday night. The Bucks are here on Monday night football for the chance to embarrass the Giants' brother nation. Could this set the stage for Dave Gellman going after this season? And then what do you do with the coach he just hired? 
this could be a situation where you're still invested in Joe Judge. You basically let Joe Judge pick the GM and then they work together. Or you're selling Joe Judge out with Dave Allen. It's an ugly mess. The Giants messed up last year because if they were going to do a reset, they should have sent Gelman out with Pat Shermer. Not giving him a choice to pick another head coach. Now they are reaping the mistakes they made. They have to make some tough decisions going forward. But this week, very big for Dave Gelman. If the Giants can't show up in this game and they don't win, you have major issues going forward with this team and how you're going to handle this. This could spiral pretty quickly, despite the fact this division is eminently winnable. We'll see what happens there. But up next, we're going to talk with Kevin Walsh. Do our week seven NFL picks right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number seven on the line today. Joining me. Somebody who's been on the podcast a couple of times before. He's a host of Sports Grid. Great Kevin Walsh here. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing good, Mike. Uh, glad to be back on. I think the last time you and I spoke, the uh, NBA was trying to piece together the bubble uh, and make all that happen uh, alongside Martino. So uh, it's been a while, and I'm happy to be back on. Hey, they did get it done, and the Lakers won. <laughs> That's right. They. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I almost feel like we – as a sports community, didn't give the NBA enough credit for just how effective the bubble was. I mean, literally, you know, zero positive deaths. And uh, the Lakers, who I thought were the best team before the season started, during the season, when the season restarted, they got the job done. LeBron back to being the unanimous best player in the world. He was 17. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk some NFL today. And obviously, you're deep in with the gambling, so... We have six weeks mm-hmm. of data now to sort of look at. So what are some trends you've noticed so far that have caught your eye in terms of the betting? Well, I'll tell you what's really now um, starting to become a part of the calculus now is the bye weeks, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's that's we're starting to see more and more of that. We had our first kind of sample of buys uh, when we had, the, you know, the Steelers and the Titans off of their surprise buy. Both of those teams have big scoring outputs. Both of them covered their numbers. Then we had the Lions and the Packers last week coming off of buys. And we saw for the Lions, they look great. For the Packers, not so much. And I think the one reminder it offered is buys are great, but if a team doesn't need it, right, if those early, early buys, teams playing play some great football, it can kind of slow them up. And that's what I think happened there with Green Bay. So, Bi-weeks are important. We've seen it help most more often than it hurts, but don't automatically assume it's this massive edge for a team. Yeah, I think also for me, the thing I've noticed too is when in doubt, bet the over because the scoring just seems to be at an all-time high this year. <laughs> yeah, finally last week, it, it did go the other way. Uh, 10-4, and four, I think the week finished up to the under. Is that a matter of matchups? Is that a matter of inflated totals? It's tough to say. I think, you know, I personally looked at the board last week. It, it felt like an under week. So I, I tend to agree, when in doubt, go over. But, you know, as we start to learn more and more about these teams, we'll start to learn who we can and who we can't trust. Yeah, one team we're still not sure if we can trust you as your team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And they had yeah. an interesting week last week. They have a couple of big guys get hurt, but they had the big charge against the Ravens, losing the end. What was your big takeaway from that game? Yeah, I think ultimately the Eagles put forward performance at the end that still gives 
me enough confidence to say they're the best team in this division. And that's a game that they were down 17 nothing in and looked completely out of up against the team that had the best record in football last year. The team that's only blemish is losing to the Kansas City Chiefs in a primetime game. So I don't think that's any small feat. Um, can this team get any kind of help is really the question. I, I truly, Mike, it is impossible for this team to be as injured as they are. I mean, they were the most injured team in football last year. Injuries are supposed to regress back to the middle. And then they lost Brandon Brooks before the season ever started. We're getting into the year. They've got Jason Peters who now has to come back and play left tackle. He's hurt. Lane Johnson's never healthy. And I'm like, all right, well, eventually this will get better. And then by the time the Ravens game ends, they lose Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders. So I guess the one thing I have to be cautious on is assuming at any point in this year they are going to get healthier because apparently it's just not in the cards. Yeah, but the good thing is, though, they are in the worst division in football, the NFC and I would still make them the favorite considering how awful Dallas looked with Andy Dalton in his first game under center on Monday. Okay, here's the simplest way I can put this for people who are still buying Dallas. And ultimately, you probably could buy any team in this division and make uh, a case. So let me say, for those people that believe, oh, the Cowboys will win this by default, what you are saying is the team with the worst defense in football and the backup quarterback is going to win a division by default. That is a ridiculous idea. They are going to have to go out there and really figure some things out. They're not winning anything by default. They just got embarrassed at home again, this time by the Arizona Cardinals. Consolation points for Andy Dalton and the offense that he was trying to lead. Zeke is a mess. That wasn't even the first game where he's had fumble issues, and his confidence is getting banged up by the game as people are now losing their minds over contracts that's far from even seeing its worst days. And you've also got Dallas playing Washington this week, and the game's a pick If that doesn't speak to where the Cowboys are, I agree, Mike. I just, and this is not some, you know, pro Eagles fan thing. I just think the idea that any opponent could put a minus number next to the Cowboys in the NFC division futures market is preposterous. Yeah, especially considering the fact that they have somehow been worse than the Jets defense, and the Jets defense is awful from firsthand experience. I think that says something. <laughs> Uh, this is the thing, you know, last year, so Dallas last season had a pretty poor defense. They had the number two offense by DVOA in football. And sometimes these things can regress. So the point that I had made to people is if that offense takes even a step back, you have to be really worried about the state of the defense because they lost key players, right? Most notably, Byron Jones going to Miami. Well, the defense has completely fallen off a cliff. Does anybody remember when Demarcus Lawrence was one of the most talked about pass rushers in football? When was the last time anyone said a positive thing about Tank Lawrence? I don't remember it. And the offense, despite taking C.D. Lamb in the first round, who, by the way, is a heck of a talent, is not going to help overcome all of these other areas in which this football team is lacking. So this defense being this bad is for real. And this offense having to play from behind is a complete nightmare because now it's Andy Dalton who's going to have to try and create miracle comebacks. We saw Monday night. That's not the recipe. 
No, it isn't. And the Eagles do have the best quarterback in the division right now at Carson Wentz. And there was concern about him earlier in the year. But to me, I look at it as like, hey, look who he's supporting cast right now. Look who he's throwing the football to. <laughs> we haven't heard of Travis Fulgham before like three weeks ago. And now he's suddenly the number one receiver on the team. So I think he's going to be fine. I mean, listen, you know, Mike, I'm glad you said it. Because the one thing is with this Philly team, look, I'm not trying to tell people that, oh, this team's going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm not trying to say any of that. But the one thing that I've got no tolerance for is the slander of Carson Wentz. I've never seen anything like this, man, where you acknowledge the injuries on this team. They go, oh, the excuses. The excuses. They had all five offensive linemen that were supposed to be available for them. Hurt. Four out. Jason Kelsey just not healthy in that game against Baltimore. And then think about the skill players. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Dallas Goddard. Don't forget Marquise Goodwin was signed to be a big player for this football team. Jalen Rieger, their first-round pick out. And then they say goodbye to Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders in the game. That is literally, this is not some hyperbole, that is the seven top skill players that this team was supposed to throw out there. And he's making a comeback with Travis Fulham, Boston Scott, and Greg Ward Jr. And people are still crying, oh, he throws picks. What in the world do you want him to do, man? What Ben Peterson ran out of two-point conversion. That's why they ended up not being able to tie that game because they find themselves in such insane positions that he's running read options with Wentz. I get it. You don't think this guy is a top 10 quarterback in football? Fine, so be it. But the notion that this guy is not doing everything he can with by far the worst supporting cast in football is outrageous. Yeah, that's definitely true. And this week, they got a short week. They're coming in. They're playing the Giants on Thursday. I talk about the top of the podcast. The Giants did not look very good. Yes, they can still win the division, but this is a team the Eagles have beaten seven straight times going back to 2016. So I would think that this yeah. is a bounce-back spot for the Eagles. I agree. I, so this division is really starting to mess with people's heads. And people are – I don't know what it is, but nobody wants to go Philly. Like, like nobody that I talk to, at least, Mike, you sound like you do, and that's nice to hear because maybe I thought I was insane. But people either would go the default, Dallas is going to win this division, they've got too much talent, or they'd start trying to fall in love with Washington or fall in love with the Giants. And now the Giants are the new flavor of the month. If they convert that two-point conversion, they're 0-6 right on the same level as the New York Jets. I mean, they were a two-point conversion. They were an extra point kick and a coin toss going Washington's direction from losing at home to what is a dreadful football team. Daniel Jones has thrown one touchdown pass since week one. And I'm listening now, listen, man, Giants are the value of the division. Are they? I don't know. I mean... If you have like spare cash lying around your couch, you can say, "Okay, I'll go put go lay plus eight fifty on the Giants and hope you get lucky." But I'm, I wouldn't expect the cash on it. I mean, it's just like that's the thing. I'm not. It, I don't know how beating Washington at home by a point was this impressive for people to get their first win of the year. Again, I know it says a lot about the division, but if you think that, and, and this is just a betting tip for people, even if you disagree with me, that's fine. If you think the Giants can win this division, you take whatever your normal unit size is, you need to split it up. 70-30. 30 on that plus 850, 
You need to put 70 on it for them to beat the Eagles on Thursday night football. If they don't beat the Eagles on Thursday night football, the most banged up they'll be all season long, I think, then they're not winning this division. This is a spot that the Giants have to come away with a win. They're plus money to win the game, around plus 175, give or take. You need to be making that bet if you actually believe this team can go out there and challenge for the NFC. Good advice there. Speaking of the pick, we'll go to that this week. My good friend Phil Lombardo, who's also a Giant fan, was here last week. He went 1-2 on the week. He laid the 3.5 with the Steelers. He got that one correct because they blew the Browns out. He laid the 8 with the Colts. That did not go too well because the Colts ended up falling <laughs> way behind early. Came all the way back. And he bet, he bet on the Cowboys getting the 2.5 at home. We saw how that went. <laughs> no, no, that did not. <laughs> that didn't work well. I guess, if anything, for your buddy, he got the best of the number. I mean, they closed his one-point favorites, which... You know, a lot of people you talk to in this uh, this gambling world, they'll tell you it's all about beating numbers. There's value in beating numbers, but there's no winner <laughs> that that wins. Yeah, I, I also have my first losing week of the year. I went one and two last week. I, I took, mm. the, I laid the pa- points of the Packers at two and a half. That turned very ugly very quickly. I bet against the Lions. I took the Jags getting the three and a half points at home. That also didn't go well. But yeah. I did get something right. I definitely. I laid the eight at the Dolphins against the Jets. It seems to be the lock of the week every week, so I got that one right. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if Bill's Jets is on your card for this week. It, it's not on mine. But we're getting to unimaginable territories with this Jets football team. And I don't think the book is very happy about it. Because the Jets this week are hosting the Bills, okay? And they are like going to end up laying the Bills about 10 more points than they laid week one in Buffalo. And the game that follows is the Jets going to Kansas City. Excuse me. I mean, the Jets next week, Mike, might be catching 24 and a half points as if this is a steamroll college football team coming up against, like, an Oklahoma team that's actually good. I mean, it is unbelievable, the state of the New York Jets. Oh, no kidding. And the thing is, I would probably lay those points to the Chiefs because I don't trust the Jets at all. That's somebody's <laughs> first-hand experience watching this team. Well, they can't, they can't do anything. They no. can't do anything. I no. mean, I, I tell you what, you know, we, you and I had a, a very, very brief exchange on uh, Twitter about a second half over. And ultimately, it was, it was a lesson learned for me. Now, I will say this. It, it was, I was having a bad Sunday, and I made a choke bet. For me to bet a second half over, I had on air Mike said the Jets were going to get shut out. So it showed that my kind of, I was a little bit off the beaten path when I was making some of those moves. But what I did learn is the Dolphins are like, ah, we're good here. You guys are clowns. I mean, they punted two or three times inside Jets territory, plus a fourth and two on the seven, kicked a field goal. They just didn't care. They looked at that team like absolute clowns. They pitied them, and they were just like, ah, whatever, we'll get to it in for a couple of throws because you clowns can do nothing. When Joe Flacco is taking 28-yard sacks, you can't argue with it. No, you can't. And it's also a motivation factor. Like, Brian Flores doesn't hate the Jets. This is Bill Belichick. It'll be 56 nothing. <laughs> true. That's true. I mean, I don't even – but this is what I'm saying. Like, what do you even do in these spots here, right? Because is Cam Newton going to really be running into the fourth quarter? Like, Cam Newton might be on the bench, you know, getting his post-game outfit ready when <laughs> the fourth quarter comes around. Like, it, it's they are such an embarrassment they, that I, the likes of which I almost feel like we've 
we've not really seen before. Yeah, they definitely are. Let's get to the picks right now. We're going to go on the year to do a quick reset. On the year, Teen Challenges, 12 and 6, so good start for them. I'm actually right hot, I'm 14 and 4 to start the year. That's fantastic, man. Well, that's a lot of winners. That's a lot of winners. Let's see if we can keep it going here. We're going to go to this week's picks. Kevin, you are up first. Where are you going with your first pick? Yeah, so I, I tell you what, my first one uh, is a spot where last uh, time these teams played, I got beat by the back door. I laid the number with the Browns on Thursday night football against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and unfortunately, Joe Burrow would not leave me alone. Uh, he owes me some money. I'm coming back to the Browns in this spot, laying three on the road. I think that Cleveland will run the football, big game for Kareem Hunt, and cover this number. Yeah, I remember I had this the first time. I, had, I took the Bengals. I got the backdoor cover. This time I'm with you on the Browns. I do think that this is a spot where, you know what, they're going to come off that game. They're going to be really angry. It's going to be a spot where they say, you know what, let's just take out our frustration of the Bengals. Joe Burrow gets sacked about nine times, and the Browns win by about a touchdown. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking here. Joe Burrow turned it over a little bit more. And uh, the Browns might be a team that gets fat on bad teams. And you know what, there's value in that betting market. Absolutely. Let's go to your next pick. Where are you going? So my next one is probably my favorite one of the week. Uh, it's the Patriots laying two and a half points at home to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I understand the Niners. They finally get right. Uh, they got a nice win over the Rams on Sunday night football. The Patriots are coming off a week. Look, cost me money. Had them in a teaser. I can't believe they lost the football game where they didn't give up a touchdown to the Denver Broncos. But the, the opportunity to buy low on New England and sell high on a Niners team that nobody in their right mind wanted to touch. I mean, this couldn't be a perfect spot. I'm not sure how much longer we'll be able to lay under a field goal, but uh, while it's out there, get it. I love the pass line two and a half. Yeah, that's a good spot to get the pads there. I mean, I thought about the Niners a bit this week. I said, you know what, like, I could see this going the other way where Jimmy G goes out and has a bad week against the Belichick defense. So I, I like going to England on that one. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I just, it's so funny, but last week we saw the Niners packing three points at home to the Rams, and now all of a sudden they go to the road to New England and the number is the same. Something is off there. We're going to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Where you go with pick number three? So the final pick, the aforementioned Rams uh, are going to make the cards like five and a half Chicago Bears Monday night football in L.A. Uh, this being in L.A. matters to me. Sean McVay being off a loss matters to me. And Nick Foles, as much as uh, he is close to my heart, Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, that team uh, at five and one is a little bit inflated. That team easily could be two and three. I mean, if not worse. So I'm going to come back around uh, here, and I'm going to I'm going to roll with the Rams. I'm going to lay the points. I think they might be able to get up uh, actually pretty sizably in this game and force Foles into some turnovers and pull away. Yeah, this is one I feel like I would play the other way with the Bears because they have a tendency to play close games all year. Like five of their six games, all their games have been within a possession with six of them being six points or less. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would tend to go with the Bears there. But I don't have enough confidence to touch it. That's why I stayed away from it on my end. Yeah, listen, I hear you. You got to think about though some of those one-score games, right? They lose by eight to the Colts. That was a backdoor eight that covered Caesars. They were losing that game 19 to three. The Falcons game, that was when Dan Quinn was handing out wins that they shouldn't have been. Against the Lions, they were down in that football game, I think, mean, 27-6, to 6, something in that range. 
and then ultimately three touchdown Mitch in the fourth quarter comes back and saves the day. They were down massive to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, this is all, you know, these are all games that they ended up kind of coming back and making these miracle runs in. The way the Rams like to close games out, just running the football and playing smart, I trust them to handle the lead. Fair enough. I'm up now. Pick number one. I'm going to do something I've done the last four weeks. I've gotten correct. That's bet against the Jets. I'm playing the all 13 and a half of those points <laughs> with the Buffalo Bills because this is a team that on average loses by about 17 and a half points per game. The Jets have now scored by 110 points on the year. The Bills are coming off two straight losses. The game, they beat them by 10 the first time. That game should not have been that close. The Bill, the Jets got a garbage time touchdown and make it get a 10-point contest then. Not, what have you seen out of the Jets in the last like five weeks is they can say, you know what, they can cover this number. Even at home, they have no fans backing them up, which is good because they would probably booing them out of the building if that was the case. So give me the points of the Bills. Lay the 13 and a half. The Jets are 0-6 against the Spreads. We 0-7 today. Yeah, no, look, and the thing is, you're probably getting the best of that number. I got to think by Sunday, it's 14 and a half. It's 15 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing starts to snug up near 17. Yeah, I think you got to grab it while it's under two touchdowns of the Bills. That's pick number one for me. Pick number two, as a team, the number, I like them a lot, and they're not laying a lot for a spot they've had a good success. I'm taking the Seahawks laying three and a half in Arizona, pick two. They have won. They're 6-0-1 the last seven trips to Arizona. I don't buy the Cardinals as being a contender either because they did not look, not look good the last five weeks. I mean, the Dallas game, Dallas has the worst defense in football, as we talked about earlier in the podcast. They had issues with the Jets, and the Jets are just so inept they let them have the game. They've lost a couple of good games. In Seattle, Russell Wilson's cooking. They got everything going here. I only need to win by four with the Seahawks. I think they're going to do that easily. Give me the Seahawks laying those points. Pick two. Seattle is a team that I'm still trying to see how good they are. They're good, don't get me wrong. But a tier of their own in the NFC, I'm not positive. And I'll also just caution... Uh, the way we talked about the Packers. Did they really need a bye week? Turns out, no. Did Seattle need a bye week? Uh, I'm not sure. Division matchup, I might go the other way, but look, it's hard to bet against Russell Wilson these days. Yeah, it is hard to do that. That's why he's my second pick of the week. The third pick of the week, I'm going with the dog here. I'm taking the Panthers getting seven and a half on the road into New Orleans against the Saints. And to me, this is an indictment of the New Orleans defense. I don't, even reportedly, has been pretty bad this year. We saw on Monday night, week five, against, against the Chargers. Look, the Chargers getting the same spread. The Chargers backdoor covered me because they jumped out early. Could have won the game outright in regulation. Lost because Badgley missed the kick and lost in overtime. Panthers have enough firepower here to do this. They faced a good defense last week against the Bears, which shut, kept their point total down. I think this week, they get bounced back. They're in this game as a shootout. I don't I need to be within a touchdown, which I can do. The hook is huge. Give me the Panthers getting seven and a half victory. Yeah, that, that hook is incredibly valuable. Uh, I really want to see what the Saints look like off the of bye. What in the world are we going to see with Michael Thomas coming back? He has already had one of the weirdest seasons you could imagine between the injury, avoids IR because he thinks he can come back the next week. He misses a bunch of weeks. Then he's supposed to come back. He's fighting teammates. They're calling him slant boy. What happens when the guy who was supposed to be the best wide receiver in football finally gets back on the field? Yeah, it will be a fun question to track. So the picks for the week. Kevin's laying three with the Browns against the at home against Cincinnati against the Bengals. The Patriots laying two and a half at home against the 49ers. The Rams laying five and a half on Monday night at home against the Chicago Bears. I'm taking the Bills laying a whopping 13 and a half points against the hapless New York Jets. The Seahawks laying three and a half on the road in Arizona. 
And the Panthers, my third road team of the week, getting seven and a half on the road in New Orleans. Those are your picks for week number seven on the podcast. Next week, actually going to be joined by another sports grid guy. The great Alex Fasano will be here. Awesome. Yeah, love Faz. His, uh, his Steelers got my Eagles. That game was much closer than the nine-point cover. Pittsburgh put forward suggests. Um, but, yeah, look, Steelers got a big game. That'll be – you'll get uh, – it's a good pull by you. You know what you're doing. Uh, off of the win uh, – or not win, I shouldn't say, but the game at Tennessee uh, with Baltimore on the schedule in front of them. Looks like a fun spot. Yeah, it's a good spot to get fast. I usually try and get him like later in the year, but this is like I had to get him earlier because this is a good prime Steelers spot. It might, it might be the last undefeated team in the, in the AFC at that point. Yeah, it's going to be one of them, right, between them and the Titans. I, I like that Titans team. Uh, I'll tell you that. Um, it's a game with, with a lot of uh, attention on it, which sometimes can be difficult to bet. But if I, if I had to make a bet, I'll take the team that's catching points at home that's unbeaten instead of the team that's laying them. Yeah, that's for sure. Kevin, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you, how can people follow you on social media and keep up with some of the stuff you're up to? Yeah, follow me over on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh. And then, of course, always go over to Sports Grid to catch everything we're doing, 24-7 coverage, giving you guys the edge, the betting information that you need. I started off in the morning, 7 to 9 a.m., with my guy Dane Martinez on the early line, and I'm closing it out uh, from 9 to midnight on in-game live Monday through Thursday, also on the weekend. Look them on all the time. So you go over to Sports Grid, hang out with us there, get the edge. Yeah, definitely get the edge. Definitely check out Kevin during those World Series games. Those are some, some props being discussed there, too. Oh, absolutely. The uh, the World Series, man, it's uh, it's it's a good matchup. I'm glad. I think Dodgers race uh, is a good one. Yeah, did you know I actually picked that before the season? Dodgers race is my World Series pick. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, I, I can see the vision. Uh, Dodgers were the best team in baseball coming in, and uh, even Yankees fans uh, would would admit the Rays showed the best value in the futures market. They are uh, an incredibly well-structured baseball team, and them being here is far from a surprise. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Kevin, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, Mike. Have a good one. You too. Up next, I'm going to do a little pop culture talk with Sam DeRosa right after this. All right, we are back here doing pop culture on the podcast. That music I play is probably way too serious what we're talking about today, at least the first half of it. Talking Supermarket Sweep first. Join me today, our pop culture correspondent and a true Supermarket Sweep fan, Sam DeRosa is here. Sam, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me back. Not a problem. I've lost count. I will let you know after the podcast what number it is, but you are still number three on the all-time list. Ballin'. I'm slowly going to like be making my way to number two, like sneakily. Yeah, you got Joe's got to watch out. Joe D is the guy you were right behind. Uh, watch out, Joe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Joe is she's coming for you, Joe. Just keeping it, but not out there. But how how has life been in the post? Uh, we since the last time you came on and we did the fall preview here. What's been going on? Yeah, pretty good. Trying to catch up on all the TV I can, starting new shows. Trying to watch as many movies as I possibly can digest. I'll watch some. Netflix things uh, that I won't talk about because I'm sure we'll talk about them sometime soon. So just trying to digest as much pop culture as I can before things get back to normal. That might be a while, but I will say I'm in 
like we talk, we talk about the game shows over the summer. I'm sort of like in game show overload right now because I feel like there's a game show on every night of the week, at least somewhere. Yeah. And like yeah. I, I even picked up the new the new version of Weakest Link. That's how like obsessing with the game shows. See, that's dedication there for you. Yeah. Like Jane Lynch is funny. I don't think the show is as good as the original version was, but it it's nice like background filler if you're on the treadmill or like you're working on stuff. And we also need just new material anyway. We haven't had that much, like, new TV, like, have a lot of new TV, basically, new programming and stuff as of, you know, since March, really. Yeah, we have not. But we did get a brand new block of game shows on Sunday. ABC had brought back Wallace the Millionaire again. Card Sharks is back again. But the thing we're going to start off with is Supermarket Sweep, the big revival of the, nine, of the 80s and 90s game show. Leslie Jones <laughs> back as the host. You and I watched the premiere Initial reaction. Were you thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, I like this too. I think the, from the reaction I read on Twitter, it was I think like if you liked Leslie Jones, and Leslie Jones is the host, and she's very passionate about the show, which I loved. If you liked her, you yeah, liked I, this. And if you did not, you didn't. Yeah, and like the way that she said it, she's like, I wanted to be on this show. I auditioned for this show. So you're like, all right. So she understands the supermarket sweep life. So like, it just makes it, I don't know. It just makes it feel better in my eyes. Yeah. Cause like the thing I loved about Leslie Jones is being there is that she loves this show. She wanted to be there. She was excited for these contestants when they were running down the aisles, grabbing stuff. When, and she was doing the announcements during the sweep. She was like, you gotta get stuff. You gotta get stuff. You can't leave your cart there and not put anything in it. I'm like, she gets the show. She loves it. Yes, and also just, like, she's just, like, such a good motivator. I feel like if I had Leslie Jones, like, just, like, yes, you're doing, like, you need to do this, like, go do this, like, I'd probably be, like, in shape to probably run a freaking half marathon, like, get all my work done before, like, 2 in the afternoon, because she's that motivating. She is that motivating. I mean, plus the show starts out like it does. They start out with the push it real good as the theme song. They have her running out of the aisles like David Rupert used to do in the original show, and you're like, all right, we got this. This is going to be fun. Yes, she is. I really did enjoy watching her. I'm, I'm sure nothing's going to change, but I still hope that this coming season's like the same amount of Leslie. Yeah, I think they did a good job with this one, not trying to stretch the format over an hour and sort of doing what Match Game does. Where they have two separate epi- like games in one episode. I think that's probably the right way to approach it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we'll start out here talking about like we're gonna spoil we're gonna spoil a little bit about the premiere, which obviously if you care about sports or game show, you're in the wrong place. But if you <laughs> we're gonna break it down, break down some of the key things here. And I did think it was interesting that they had the team names going on here because the first game I remember we had Team Sugar, Team Biscuits, and Team Wings. I was looking at this I'm like, why are we calling these things Team Sugar, or Team Biscuits? Yeah, I was a little, like, confused about that. But then, you know, of course, Leslie's like, oh, why'd you choose this name? And stuff, which was, I thought was pretty cute. Yeah. If we had to, if you had to call it a name for your team, what would your team name be? Uh, you know what's so funny? I was literally watching this. I'm like, damn, what would my name be? But then I guess it would depend on what kind of partner I had. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like if it was with my brother, we'd be team nachos. Yeah. And honestly, that's all I thought about since, you know what I mean? Like, that's as far as my thought have gone because, like, who else would I want to do supermarket sweep with because he's just really tall? 
Yeah, Joe, yeah, your brother Joe would be a great guy to run this week because like, he's called, he's got the creek access for all the top shelves. Like, he's got all that stuff going on. He can be a good sprinter. Yeah, and he's, like, way more in shape than me, so he can, like, run faster. And he has long legs on top of that. Yeah, so, like, let's throw a hype out here. Let's say you and I were, were going on a team. What would our team name be? I don't know. I feel like we would have to, like, sit down and talk about our favorite foods and stuff. I don't know. Do you have a name for us? Because, like, I'm, like, trying to think. I feel like we and I have discussed off air. We like the s'mores frappuccinos. Maybe Team S'mores just as an homage to that. True. But we, we, we couldn't probably use frappuccinos, so we would just have to be Team S'mores. Team S'mores. And then, like, we could we could just ask Lively Jones to ask if I was like, we like s'mores. That's all there is to it. Exactly. We'd have to, like, respect the Starbucks name and ABC affiliates. Like... Yeah, for sure. And like speaking of the team names, I did I did pull a clip from when Leslie Jones asked Team Wings about their name, and I, I gotta play this. Get your reaction to it. Why Team Wings? We love chicken wings. Okay. I, I'm a boneless guy. I love all the flavors. Okay. Ryan, when he eats chicken wings, he puts on gloves. I have gloves. <laughs> I love the wings. I don't like getting the wing sauce in my cuticles and my nails. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Team Wings. Thank you. <laughs> Thoughts about that? Would you put on gloves to eat wings? Heck no. <laughs> the whole pot, like, I get it. You don't want it in your cuticles, whatever. That's a very, very, like, I don't know, type A personality, maybe, to, like, do. Also, first off, who likes boneless wings more than, bone, like, wings with bones in them? Like, when you think chicken wings, you think wings with bones, flats, drums. Yes. Not boneless, that makes it almost chicken nuggets. Like, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, I just also love Leslie Jones' reaction. She's like, well, okay then. Like, she had no follow-up at all. She was like, let's just move on. Yeah, she was like, don't talk to these weird white men. Like, <laughs> honest. Yeah, I did love it. I did love that. And those guys did not do too well in the sweep. Although I will point out, the inflatable they grabbed, you saw the donut they grabbed, right? Yes. I actually had that inflatable for my pool. You have the same one? The exact same donut. That's hilarious. I saw that. I like, saw the guy great. like, oh, I actually have that. I just got to slap a sticker <laughs> on it. I can pretend I'm running the, the sweep right now. Right? You're what? They was like one, it was worth 150 or something? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like worth 150. And I think the fun thing with this show, obviously, besides that, like, I did like that they revamped all the pricing games. I did take some notes on them. We had Sweep Right, which was basically their idea of like, Making fun of Tinder, where you just have to name profile facts about a, a brand, and, and you get that right. The logo game, I think, is fun. You and I have talked about this on there. I like the idea of like we're gonna show the logo a little bit at a time. My favorite one was sort of slogans. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic because it's basically. I'll let Leslie Jones tell you. Actually, I did pull a clip on that one as well. This game is called Sorta Slogans. I'm gonna take a popular slogan, replace the brand name with my name, and put my own spin on it. Buzz in if you think you know the correct brand, and you will win 10 seconds. I'm so excited! <laughs> All right, here's the first one. I'm cuckoo for Leslie Jones! <laughs> yeah, I think that one was just so funny because she gets so into it. It's so funny, and funny enough, that's the category of like, the game that I did best on. Like, oh. the logos were low-key hard, and I was, like, so impressed because, like, the contestants didn't even, like, some of them just did the first round. Like, it was, like, a green blob. And they're like, oh, it's a Jolly Green Giant. And I'm like, how the heck did you know that? Yeah, I saw one, too, where somebody just saw the silhouette of the background. They're like, Ortega. I'm like, what? 
Yo, exactly. Yeah. Everyone was like, how the heck did you get that? <laughs> Even Leslie Jones was like, wow, you guys are smart. How'd you get them so fast? I mean, honestly, I think that was the two women, Team Sugar, who have like nine children yeah. between them. I think they spent a lot of time in the grocery store. So I guess like hats off to them for grocery shopping 24-7. Yeah, there's that one. Then they also have the game called Scrambled Eggs, where basically they put like the letters on egg cartons, so like the rip off of the original, where you would s- sort of mix up words, try to figure out things. I think this could have been yeah, better if it was would... actually products and not just like items of food. Yeah, and I also didn't do so well with that one. So yeah, because <laughs> yeah, my mind went to the classic game. Okay, like what brand is this? And it's like, oh, it's it's like tiramisu or something. I'm like, wait, what? We're doing just the the actual food. Yeah, so I mean, like, I guess that just gives them more of like an ability to like use words than brands. Yeah, I but guess maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe I'm. I might be wrong too. And the sweep we get to now, we get this. The regular, we get the sweep. These teens have managed to run through the store, do whatever, and all this. Wesley Jones is the announcer for the sweep. Were you a fan yeah. of her announcing style? Uh, of course, because yeah. she's Leslie Jones. Like, <laughs> she's so, so funny. Yeah, like, my critique here is, like, I like Leslie Jones. I just think, like, we need a little more information than we got. Because I get, I like Leslie Jones for her element of, like, oh, like, getting passionately involved and being, like, this big supporter and, like, pointing things out. But I do think we need a straight man there, sort of bounce off Leslie Jones, sort of do the play like, let her, let her be the color. All right. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but... Maybe maybe she'll get better with uh, this season. Yeah, you could see that because I don't know what order they taped these in. They might be the first one. It could be a middle one. But, like, I watched, I went back because I had time. I went and watched an old episode. And the sweep, I felt like, flowed much better when we have a more direct play-by-play of what people were doing. And I think, like, that was missing a little bit. I feel like she was getting so passionately involved. I think it's great. But I think if you have, like, a two-man, two-person booth calling it, I think it would have been more fun. I agree, especially because, like, right, because the old ones, they would let you know how much those things were. Yeah. And the other like, th- so that was kind of nice because I, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even imagine, like, how much things were worth when yeah. they were grabbing for the sweep. So I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. The other thing I was not a big fan of is that there were, I feel like there were rules that were told to the contestants, not told to the audience at home. Sort of, sort of like, they're going with things. At one point, Leslie Jones announces, oh, the gold can's in aisle one. And I'm like... What's the gold can? What is it worth? Why am I going for the gold can? Like, that's something I feel like they should tell us, like, up front, like they did in the old show. That's true. So maybe they did take their show from the middle. Yeah. Yeah, because I noticed that, like, and one thing they did get on top here, off the top here, is, like, they brought back uh, David Ruprex's table. They gave you the shopping list. Let's, let's, listen mm-hmm. to, let's listen to Leslie Jones's shopping list from the, fir- mm-hmm. from the first sweep of the night. And I'll give you an extra $500 if you can bring me the following items from my personal shopping list. I'm having a me night tonight. (laughs) So I want a Glade scented candle, a spatula, and a cucumber. Don't ask me what none of it's for. It's me night. (laughs) I'm not going to go there, but I just feel like it's not very family friendly for an eight o'clock hour show. Yeah, but then again, you want to try to get all the demographic between like 18 and like you know, whatever that 34 or whatever that demographic is for the main demographic to sell things. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they were just feeling a little raunchy and they're like, let's just roll with it. Oh, they definitely were feeling raunchy. Trust me on that one. As we get through the night, <laughs> including our man DC at the checkout counter. Remember him? <laughs> 
Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. DC gave us some gems on, on, on this show, and here's one of them. Okay, time to check out the goods, right, DC? Hey, if you got the goods, I'll check them out. Ooh. Wow. That just wow, feels yeah. so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie calling him out, too. That was a, such a funny line read. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, all these little, like, different characters that it's not the originals. It was just, like, it's, like, so different, but, like, so good at the same time. Yeah. The characters are funny. I will give them that. Like, Richard the Roses guy was weird. And, like, the, the first late, first contestant screaming at him, give me the roses, Richard, because she was taking oh my forever. God. The problem that with, was so funny. Yeah, the problem with characters like him and Beth the Barista and all that, like, I get, like, those are things they did in the original show where it's like, okay, you have a chance mm-hmm. to, you know, like, make some extra money, but it costs you time. I don't like the fact that it's like, okay, you have to wait for Richard to do his shtick before you get the roses. It should be... I have to decide to waste time myself to, and pick the roses myself as opposed to waiting, wasting five seconds waiting for Richard to go through the whole skit to get to the roses. Yeah, I mean, though, it was low-key funny, though, because, like, she goes behind the roses, like, or yeah. not behind the roses, behind, like, the floral stand. Yeah. She's, like, grabbing. She's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Like, yeah, I just think, I think. I this... bet you they didn't tell, I bet you they didn't tell the contestants half the rules anyway, like how yeah. we didn't really know the golden can. Yeah. I bet you they didn't get a full thing either. They probably threw this together. They're like, yo, let's just do Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, I think they probably watched the old show. And they're like, oh, like, and the old one's like, oh, you grind the coffee yourself. I grind the, I'll go grab the roses. And then you have this whole thing. I think the better game mechanic is sort of, okay, you want to go for the coffee, make the coffee yourself. You have to waste time, like, not getting things in your cart, but you get the coffee mm-hmm. and get the bonus. That's the way yeah. I would like to see the game played, but that's just me. Maybe it will evolve, Mike. We never know. It could evolve. I mean, holy moly, the show that I talked about with Pete Ponsadori, our friend back back in June, like it evolved tremendously from season one to season two. So maybe we have some of these evolutions coming from year one to year two of Supermarket Sweep if we get it. Yeah, I'm sure it's like a whole trial and error thing for like to creators and producers and everything. Yeah, that's for sure. And we get the best part of the show, in my opinion. The sweaters are back and you get to customize them. Yes. I love that, Rick, that twist on it. Yeah, I was like, it was nice to see, like, all different sweaters for, like, the, you know, different rounds and everything for, like, the two groups of people of contestants. Yeah. And apparently, I read an interview online with Leslie Jones where she said they didn't tell her about this twist. So, the first time she actually saw the sweaters when they came out in them, she had no idea they were customizing them. <laughs> That's great. I didn't know that. That's, like, so funny. It, it's just nice to have, like, so she was like, you, those had to be, so those were her real reactions, which makes it even better. It definitely does. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like if they had them online, I would definitely buy one. Definitely. Like, Halloween's coming up. They should have, like, maybe planned on doing this, like, two weeks in advance, the Supermarket Sweep premiere, and then everyone could be Supermarket Sweep contestants for Halloween. Yeah, plus, I mean, if you're doing a Zoom Halloween party, you're not, like, going out drinking with your friends or anything like that. You can just rock Zoom Rocket Sweet Sweater and just and just hop on Zoom. Exactly. I mean, between you and I, I have a great idea of what I want to be for Halloween. It has been done before, and it has been done a lot, but I haven't done it. Oh, so you're not going with traditional costume you have done before. Oh, yeah, no. I'm doing, a, like, a costume that will work with my bartending when I bartend on Halloween. Okay, so we'll t- we'll save that for we'll, spoiler alert. You are coming back next week. We're going to do a Halloween themed segment on this po- show. Talk about the haunting of Bly Manor. So we'll we'll discuss that next week. Yeah, and then if we all follow me on social media, I will also 
post it on there. But I know I'm jumping the gun, so I will get back to that towards the end. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to that towards the end. Right now, we'll sort of wrap up Supermarket Sweep. Obviously, the twist of the big sweep at the end, where after you win, you get to the final sweep, where you run through the aisles and find the products. In the past, it was three products, you win five grand. Now it's up to 100 grand as a twist. You find three, you get 25,000, but they stop the clock on you and you have to choose. Do I risk the 25 and get 30 more seconds or go for another 25,000 and go to 50? And then the same thing happens. You get to 50, you get another 30 seconds to go for the 100. Do you like that twist? Would you rather just have them, give them two minutes and they have to find all five? I mean, I like the traditional twist of like, give me the two minutes to find the five or like however long to find the five. Um, but I totally see why they chose this. It's like the bigger risk, bigger reward. Like it could be a super simple, like, you know, riddle or something like the first group of people, like they, it might, you know, the, the clue that they're like, Oh yeah. Like let's just get to do like the 50,000. It was a pretty simple one, but like, you know, you never know what you're going to get. So I guess it's like a, it's a nice difference than the original. Yeah. I feel like personally to me, I would give them two mid and say, okay, you have two minutes to find five items. You could stop after three if you want, but like I don't like stopping the clock. I feel like it sort of kills the momentum of the excitement. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I guess it's supposed to be more suspenseful, but I feel like you and I agree on the same. Like, just give me the two minutes, just give me my five items, and like you know, like let's wrap it up there. <laughs> yeah, so I think we'll grade this. I think I give this a solid B. Leslie Jones is fun. I think there are things that can make it better, but I think it's got a shot. Same, especially because we only seen one episode, so you can't jump the gun on giving any A's out. So I would definitely give it a B to a B minus. The question here is, are you going to keep watching? One hundred percent. It's Sunday evenings. Besides work, when I and I come home from work at like twelve o'clock in the morning, early early Monday morning, I definitely want to watch Supermarket Sweep before I go to bed. Okay, so that's a good that's a good endorsement. Leslie Jones will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> They'll be like, Jesus, this is not who we marketed to. <laughs> hey, it work. It'll work. You got the they get the DVR points. True, true. All right, let's go on to another item we're talking about this week, which is a much more serious thing than the one we just talked about for sure. What, like a one, a good one eighty here? Yeah, we're going from the completely funny, off the walls, like talking, making dirty jokes through Marcus Sweep to. A West Wing special on HBO Max, the stage play version, West Wing's When We All Vote, to support the When We All Vote initiative. I was intrigued with this idea. I admit I was on and off with West Wing back in the day. What was your history mm-hmm. with that show? Um, So I took, I was planning on taking a West Wing class back in college, but I didn't have the semester hours. So instead, I binged the entire season over a span of like a couple of weeks. Um, so I watched it like when I was in college, you know, probably in, in like a pretty integral time in my life. Um, I really thought it was great TV. I still would like to be put in the TV scene, you know what I mean? To be part of the television world. Um, so West Wing, I thought was a very well-written show. Like my whole family actually watched it. So uh, I was, when I heard that there was this quote unquote revival, I thought it was like a revival, I think like adding more to the story because I misunderstood but I didn't know it was a play of the same of an episode they did previous like that they already had yeah so what's going on here is they reunited the cast they did a staged play version in one of their episodes aired in season three 
called Hartsfield Landing. And basically, it's an election-themed episode where President Bartlett's solving a crisis in China while at the same time, like, they're trying to campaign for votes in Hartsfield Landing, New Hampshire. It's the first state to cast part in the country to cast its votes on Election Day. I think, obviously, the story episode, if you've seen it, you know exactly what happens. I'm not going to waste your time recapping it, but a couple things I do think. I, th- I like the way they use the stage to make it feel, like, West Wingy. Sort of, like, they had the doors, yeah. they had the chess games going on. Like, this was a good episode to do that with. Oh, definitely. I'm, like... Anytime you take a television to like to the stage, the stage is live. Everything is cohesive. Like there's no break. I thought they did a great job with the transitions and everything too. Yeah, they did a good job using the space. I remember the one shot where they had the the uh, the up the upper shot, like the aerial shot of like I forget the character's name, but like when she was talking on the phone, supposed to be outside the White House in front of the fence. The way they shot that, where they give you the overhead look, mm-hmm. and made it look like she was just standing on the fence. They didn't give you any of the background. I thought that was a great use of stage space. Oh, definitely. They did. I mean, I'm sure they got people who exactly knew who they were doing. You know how theater starved uh, right now due to the New York band. So um, I'm sure those people were like extra doing, working extra hard. Yeah. Before this begins, though, they do give you an, an intro from Bradley Whitford, one of the cast members of the show, explaining why it's going on and the importance of supporting the When We All Vote initiative. Did you, what did you think of that? It was, like, funny. Um, I, like, you know, it was, it was interesting that they mentioned, like, you know, people don't like to listen to, like, actors and whatnot. But, like, they're, like, it feels like our responsibility to put this on. You know, like, because people don't realize how much they're, their vote does count in the long run. It was just like, you know, it just, it was a nice episode because it speaks well to 2020. It does. And they, one thing that makes this episode different, I think it's worth checking out if you're a West Wing fan, is obviously the great John Spencer passed away in season seven. So, like, they had to recast the role for survival. So, they brought in Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us fame as to play Leo. What did you think of his performance in the episode? Oh, he's great. He's an excellent actor. I've always thought that. Um, so it was like, you know, it was interesting to see because it's like, you know, you watch it and, you know, all the episodes he's in as Leo, he has like that specific sound, the vernacular, you know, because he's in, you know, a person. So he sounds different. Um, but I thought Sterling K. Brown did an excellent job as Leo because he's an excellent actor. He is a fantastic actor. I remember my first series of Sterling K. Brown was when he played Chris Darden in the, uh, the people versus OJ Simpson, uh, mini series that he was spectacular in that. I think mine was watching him. I think he's in the 100, the CW, the 100. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That was my first Sterling K Brown introduction. Cause I remember watching this is us and I'm like, Oh man, I know that guy. Yeah. I th- yeah, he was good. I liked his performance. He had a good job. And I also think it was interesting about this was that they sort of, Instead of giving you commercials, they gave you, like, segments with the cast explaining the importances of voting and dispelling some myths ahead of the election. But they also gave you some big cameo appearances from from people in the political world and the real world. We had Michelle Obama pop in, Samuel L. Jackson, Lin-Manuel Miranda, President Bill Clinton himself was there. Which one popped to you the most? Um, Samuel L. Jackson, to be honest. I wasn't expecting him. And also, I just have a, 
like a secret like bond with him that he just doesn't know about. <laughs> Does it involve the fact you're both named Sam? Yes, that and another thing that I shouldn't mention on air. Okay, we'll leave that one to the imagination for the audience, but Samuel L. Jackson's <laughs> spot was very, very powerful because it's like you're used to him being in action movies, used to him being Nick Fury on the Avengers, you're used to him like being Mace Windu in Star Wars. But he was just Samuel L. Jackson sitting in front of a camera, calmly explaining the importance of issues that impact people around the world, why it's important to vote now, and let's make no secret mm-hmm. about this. They claim they're not biased. We clearly know that it's a left-leaning show and they want you to vote for like the Joe Biden campaign, but like the way yeah. they handle it was, I think was done very well. Oh, definitely. I mean, like you get these like big name people who are important, you know, in our society as of today. And it's just like, you know, they took their time to come out and speak towards it. So I just, the only unfortunate thing was HBO max is for not for everybody because it you have to pay for the subscription. So I feel like it's a little lost because you're just going towards people who might, you know, technically have a little more money. Like I'm not gonna lie, I I bum my HBO Max off of my mom because I can't afford HBO Max. So it's just like I feel like so there was a great point, but on the other hand, you're kind of missing a significant demographic in the same, you know, a, an a, well, I'll even go with age demographic because a lot of us people our age don't have the access or the financial funds to, you know, have HBO Max. I also think a lot of the people in this demographic also may not have heard of the West Wing or seen the show before. So I feel like it's tough on a service like this. That's true. Like, you know, you're you're trying to get the younger generations to go out and vote. You're, I mean, I know you're trying to get, just get everybody to vote, but you're trying to go for the younger generations. You're bringing in Mo- Michelle Obama. You're bringing in Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, those are people, like, who are big names for people our age. But, you know what I mean? It's just like, I feel like you're just missing the whole maybe these people can't afford HBO Max, you know? I also think the way they should approach this also is they could look at it and sort of release those spots on YouTube, like Michelle Obama's thing and Lin-Manuel Miranda's bit and Samuel L. Jackson's bit. I think putting those on YouTube, I think, would also be very effective. Yeah, I mean, like, because, like, I don't, I can't tell you, so I watched The West Wing on Netflix back in the day. I don't know if it's still on there or it's only on HBO Max now. But like, if you had a, if you had the West Wing on a Netflix, like I'd have to double check to see if it's still on there. And like, why not make a deal with Netflix to release it on there? You know, for like the good of all. You know. Yeah, that's true. I'm ch- checking it, and Netflix does have the West Wing still. I did check on that, but I think it might have been more mm-hmm. like HBO was looking for the pay, is willing to finance this thing and bring all the cast back together. I don't know what Netflix wanted to flex their financial muscle on that. I guess you're right. We don't know the, you know, behind the scenes discussions because we're not privy to that information. Yeah, we are not. And I think I think it's worth checking out if you have HBO Max. I would not go out of my way to get, buy a subscription just for if you can. But if you can do the same, then just bomb a password off a friend and check it out. I think it's worth yeah. it. Definitely. It's definitely worth it if you can get it for free. You definitely can. And one little surprise where you did not put in the rundown, but do you want to get your reaction to it? Are you aware that there's actually a synopsis out for Space Jam 2? There's what? They put out, like, a plot teaser. I didn't see that. Well, I did pull it. I want to get your reaction to this on the air. So this is, like, this is actually leaked by, I think, the studio a couple of weeks ago. And this thing is bonkers. I'm going to tell you this right now. So I want to get your instant reaction. 
Okay. This is from the universe. This is from the Universal, whichever studio makes this. And this is. We start out here. During a trip to the Warner Brothers studio, NBA superstar LeBron James and his son accidentally get trapped within a world that contains all of Warner Brothers' stories and characters under the control of a malfunctioning, all-powerful force named Al G, played by Don Cheadle. It reads. With the help of Bugs Bunny, LeBron must navigate through a narrow four imagined world filled with iconic movie scenes and characters as they reassemble the Looney Tunes to rescue his lost son. Now to get back home, LeBron and the Tunes have to unravel Al G's mysterious plan when Epic Basketball Gang is digital gamified superversions of the NBA and WNBA's biggest stars the entire world watches. That's the plot of Space Jam 2. That's so interesting. It told you it's bonkers because this is like completely out of left field from what I thought it was going to be. Same. Also, they better have Scooby Doo in there. Yeah, because they. they That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, because I think they've seen footage where I talk about like there's a lot of clips from other Warner Brothers movies in there. There's rumors that like they'll have him pop up in like something with the Joker world, something with Scooby Doo, like sort of this run the gamut. Oh, it's, that's so true. The WB has Batman and stuff. Yeah. So I think, found that they're going to sort, like sort of run LeBron through all of these old classic movies before they even get to the basketball game. Yeah, he's gonna. I mean, that'd be cool if they get to animate him as like different characters. We'll we'll have to see though. I don't like to stop, like you know guess too much because then I sometimes make myself upset. <laughs> so has this gotten you more intrigued or less intrigued for this? I'm actually way more intrigued just because I'm like curious to see what it's going to be like. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious. Although the name Al G for the bad guy is a little like cliche. Yeah, he just sounds like the stuff that grows in your pool. Yeah, that's they could have done better. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can't tell. Well, we don't know what he looks like, so I always like to put like the pause on my judgment just in case it's like, oh, that's funny. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's some like sort of like joke or whatever in there. Yeah, they got Don Shield. Don Shield's got a good sense of humor. I like Don Cheadle. Yeah. yeah. Bring some of that war machine energy to this role. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. As we do here, we'll wrap this up. Before Next week, we're going to be ta- uh, talk. as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about Bly Manor. We'll talk about a little unsolved mysteries uh, on there. I got to start watching those. I'm behind on that. But what else have you been oh, watching? Oh, I just finished those today. <laughs> I am the worst. <laughs> yeah. So what So what else have you watched besides those? Um. Honestly, like I've been trying to take things slow, but... I've been trying, now pause with me, I've been trying to get into certain animes because I feel like I'm missing the boat on certain animes. I'm not doing a good job watching them, but right now I watch Blind Manor and Unsolved Mysteries and um, Evil on Netflix too. Oh, oh, I totally forgot. My all-time favorite, What We Do in the Shadows on Hulu, which is an FX show. I highly recommend that. I did like, I should have wrote a post-it note because I was like, you know who would appreciate this show? Mike. And I almost forgot to say it. I'm so glad I remembered last second. I never heard of it. What is it about? It's about, okay, so it's like a mockumentary. So there's a movie called What We Do in the Shadows, and it's based on that. And it's a mockumentary of vampires in Staten Island, or at least the show is. I didn't get to watch the movie yet. I apologize. Anybody who's like a big fan of the movie slash show. And it's so funny. It's a little gory because they're vampires, but... Let me tell you, I, I binge watched it in like two days, two, three days, and it's like a two-season show right now. That does sound pretty good. I'll put it on the list to check it out. One thing I've started since we last started here, 
The Amazing Race finally returned what? to CBS after these poor people have to wait two years for their season to come out. The first episode dropped. And she got a pair of few, uh, former NFL players on it. Oh, my God. And um, that's so funny because I was thinking about starting it just because you watch it and you really love it. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll have something to talk to Mike about. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage, who used to play in the NFL together with Carolina, they are running the race this season. And the first episode aired last week on Wednesday. Second episode was airing night of recording. They were a lot of fun. I also learned apparently they cosplay together. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, and did you start The Bachelorette? Because you said you might, you might watch it. I might watch it. I've I've been sort of living off the spoilers. I sort of just like get reactions from people and watch clips online. I've not got a chance to watch the full episodes. I mean, I understand because every week it's only like ten new minutes of information, so like or new footage. Everything else is just recap slash like preview from like for next week. So I understand, but it's really funny. This Bachelorette, who's Claire for you know past listeners who end up listening to this episode. She's literally, a li- she's too much. She's way too much. Yeah, that uh, is pretty bonkers. The thing that's hard to sell for me is that the episode two hours long, which is a lot in a given week. So, like, I for me, as somebody who, oh, yeah. or somebody who does commit, like, I'm, I admit, this is a poor life decision on my part. I committed three hours a week to Big Brother. Adding two for the Bachelorette seems like a poor life choice. I mean, that's understandable. <laughs> All you have to do is probably just, like, follow Stango on Twitter. Yeah. And he'll probably like live tweet it for you. Yeah, John Stanko's a great follow on that. I keep up with him, and yet, and you, and you also give me some information. So between you two, I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. Definitely. I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is good, Sam. This is a lot of fun. I want to thank you for coming on. Before I let you go, people follow on social media. Give us some of the stuff you're up to. Well, all right. If you want to follow me on the good old Twitter, it's at d e r o s five, and then on Instagram, esteroza one seven five. Not going to lie, I pulled up my Twitter account, so I didn't mess it up this week uh, because I'm the worst at remembering any of my handles. So that's fun. <laughs> All right, make sure you follow us on there. I also want to thank our other guests from earlier, Kevin Walsh Jr. from Sports Grid. We did some NFL picks earlier on there. I got your Jaguars wrong last week. They cost me a ga- they cost you a game on the standings. Well, I tell you, everybody who roots for the Jaguars never expects anything more than a loss. Yeah, well, I learned that lesson the hard way. I did not pick them this week. Go back earlier to the podcast. You want to listen to those. I did Russell write a blog. So you can complain about the Jets cutting Le'Veon Bell. If you want to check that out, go, go to my blog. JustInTheSuffering.wordpress.com. You want to hear my more ranting about the Jets. Uh, well, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual suspects, Amazon as well. Search for them on there. Also, follow my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Individual conversation of the podcast we going up there, including our Sam. That's going to be going on YouTube very shortly. Oh, awesome. I hope everyone checks it out. I do, too. Please also leave your feedback and star ratings. It makes the podcast even better going forward. You also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Coming up next week, we are actually going to talk about the Yankee offseason. We're going to get into that a little bit. We'll talk why I'm we'll need more NFL picks. Until then, hope you have a better week than the Jet fans did. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.